Today we end our Roman series. Romans, a marathon. Yeah, we could have, I talked to Brian, we could have done this for about six more months, um, but we kind of cruised through it. But so much has happened since this began. We were like a full another people group, if you remember. We were meeting Saturday nights in OVBC. We had uh, this building, but we were still trying to get into it. We had, uh, since then, we've started all kinds of ministries. You've seen it. There's plenty of ways that you can get plugged in at this church, and it's amazing. But the goal of this series was to go deeper in faith during a time of transition and to look at Paul's letter to the church in Rome because of this. Because of this, that what does it mean to be a believer in today's society? And Rome looked a lot like our society today. And so it's really important that we understand that there's a lot going on beyond the text in society. We're going to talk about that today because we're going over Romans 16. Romans 16 is a tough one to go through, but we're powering through. And this is what the goal of this sermon series was, to help us find freedom to live out our faith by understanding our positioning that Christ did the work, that Christ made us righteous, and now we can fully live out our faith. When we understand this, it changes everything about the way that we live. And we find that on this journey of freedom, we remember Paul's letter. Let's go ahead and throw up that slide, Elise. We remember this, that we went through this, that we remember that we were all in the courthouse. All of us are in the courthouse in front of the judge, and we have no righteousness in and of ourselves, right? We're facing the judge, and every single person in this earth is going to be in the courthouse, right? That's where we enter. But those with faith, we move from the courtroom to the family room. And the family room changes everything because of what Christ did. And we receive righteousness and we remove into God's family room. And we experience new life and we experience faith and we experience freedom and transformation, which leads us to, in the last few weeks, we've been talking about this. If that first part is true, if we received righteousness through Jesus Christ, then how are we to live? How ought we live? And we're going to get into today the heart of Redeemed Church, us reaching out and impacting our community. And that's what we're going to talk about today. God has placed us in the middle of Lakewood to experience freedom and then to reach out and give that and help people understand that they too can live in this freedom. To not live timid, boring, non-adventurous lives but to experience freedom and to live a life full of adventure and calling and courage. You know, the most amazing thing about the Bible is that I think it was one of the most amazing things about God is that he understands the power of story. It's amazing. He understands story. He understands that we don't respond that well to a list of rules and a list of things that we shouldn't do. And, you know, it's one of the things that we see is that um, when, when people think that the Bible is boring, it's complete opposite. It's stories of people living out this faith and it's filled with stories that will inspire you and will call you to a whole nother way of living. And I'm excited about this part because we as humans love stories. We are shaped by them. We learn from them and they inspire us. And we in particular love hero stories right? We love hero stories, stories of overcoming, of great feats of strength, of unlikely likely characters, uh, of people saving whole cities or whole communities or the world. You know, there's only one movie 
in my entire life, and this is not a lie or a joke, there's only one movie that I have ever cried to, and that's the cinematic masterpiece called Armageddon. Does anybody remember the movie Armageddon? Man, thank you, Dana. Dana and I are the only real people here. We cry at Armageddon. Armageddon, for those that don't know, for those that are too young because I'm realizing that I'm old, it's this movie that's a little bit far-fetched, but maybe not in 2022, maybe not. A little far-fetched? Oh, just a little bit, okay. There's an asteroid coming to destroy the Earth, and this is, this is a real thing. And Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck, they're, of course, minors, and in one week, they have to learn how to become astronauts. Seems very plausible. And they have to land on this asteroid, which is a whole nother logistical nightmare. And they have to blow up the asteroid before it destroys Earth. Now, Ben Affleck happens to be dating uh, Liv Tyler, who's Bruce Willis's daughter. And Ben Affleck is supposed to blow himself up. But he doesn't. Instead, Bruce Willis pushes him back in there. And Bruce Willis does what Bruce Willis does, hero stuff. And he blows himself up. The whole earth is, begins to celebrate, and Aerosmith is playing in the background. And if you do not cry, you do not have a heart. Amen. There's something that inspires us about hero stories. We're drawn to them. Yeah. This gets me every time. For those online, we have a gift behind me. If this wasn't the case, there would not be a new superhero movie every month. No more Spider-Mans and no more Avengers. Can I get an amen? amen? I have sworn off. I'm sorry. I know, I know Brian's got a superhero shirt on. I've sworn off superhero movies. I will not watch them anymore until these lesser-known superheroes get some movie love. Like my man Zeitgeist. Does anybody remember Zeitgeist? Nobody knows this. He produces... Acid vomit. And he fights crime through acid vomit, and it can actually go through steel. I will go to that movie. There's also two DC comics that are lesser known. They're armed with the superpower of eating. There's Matter Eater Lad and Calorie Queen. And they have the ability to eat anything in sight. And then the third one, my favorite, there's a guy by the name of Arm Fall Off Boy. And Arm Falloff Boy literally plops his arm and his legs off, and he fights bad guys with his limbs. I feel like, Brendan, this could be you, bro. Arm Falloff Guy. These are real characters, and these are what we want to watch. But we love hero stories. But we have to understand this, that hero stories draw us in. They, these stories captivate us. And I believe hero stories draw another level of living out of us. And often in our consciousness or in our subconsciousness, when we're watching these things, we think, could we do that? Is that something that we could do? Would we have, be brave enough? Would we have the courage to hop onto an asteroid and blow it up like Bruce Willis? And it says that it just draws us to another way of living. And we see that this is oftentimes how we relate to the Bible. We relate to these hero stories. We read Abraham and Joseph and Moses and Joshua and David and Rahab and Ruth and Daniel and Paul or anyone that you can think of. And you begin to say, could I do that? Heroes of the Bible and heroes throughout history are important stories to read and to learn lessons from and to be inspired by. I will not make an argument against it. But there's an interesting thing that goes on. 
throughout the biblical narrative, there's also these lesser known characters that get no love except for one line, and they are faithful and are critical to the advancement of the kingdom. One of the things that's interesting right now is that we all watch these hero stories and we want to be the hero, which in today's world means just posting on Instagram and looking like the hero. That's a whole nother story. But instead, throughout the biblical narrative, there are these biblical heroes, but there's also these lesser known characters who are this, who are simply faithful and advancing God's kingdom. And the majority of people are that. And so we're going to look at that. We see throughout the advancement of Christianity, it's these faithful individuals and groups of people answering the call that we have never heard of or we may never hear from, and they impact the lives and communities. And many of us were saved or our lives were transformed by characters like this, people that none of us would know, none of us got love on the Instagram with, right? We see this, that we, they simply did this. They shared the gospel with you or they walked alongside you in a very difficult time and your life was completely transformed by them. And God wants more of that in our churches. I promise you that's what he wants. People who will never be famous or never be known. It doesn't matter what our, our, how many people are following us on anything, but are simply faithful and we see in Romans 16 a list of people who are just one line each, but that must have been critical somehow in the advancement of the kingdom of God and the advancement of the gospel. In Romans 16, Paul is sending out shout outs to people. He's like tagging them on Instagram would be the equivalent today. And these lists are something that we can gloss over. Matter of fact, I thought about glossing over them. I thought about, eh, maybe Romans 16, do we need to go over that? But they're so critical to the advancement of the kingdom of God if we really dig in. But it's really what we have to say is that there, there's not much information about each person. So I want to be very careful that I don't go too in-depth on each one or, or draw too much out of it. But what we see is that we look at just three of these lesser biblical characters or three sets. Uh, each one, we can learn an attribute or a characteristic of then how we are to live. Then how ought we to live? That's the question that we've been in in the second part of Romans. And so we see these people won't get the glory like other biblical heroes, but will inspire us. And this is the big thing. I wanted to inspire each one of us to live beyond what we are, how we are currently living. So let's jump in. Romans 16, 1 through 2. I recommend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church, which is at Centria, that you receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints, and that you help her in whatever matter she may have need, have need of you. For she herself has been a helper of many, and of myself as well. Pers Paul first shouts out to Phoebe. Most scholars believe that Phoebe was the one that took this letter and delivered it to the churches in Rome. This is no easy task in 50 AD. Corinth, where Paul wrote this letter, to Rome, I looked it up on Google Maps, today's world is 18-hour long journey. So this is no joke, and that's with modern transportation. So Phoebe must have given up a lot of her life to deliver this. 
She laid down her life for the important things of the gospel. In this letter, Paul is telling the church in Rome, look, Phoebe, she is honorable. The church may have not known her. They probably didn't know her. Just this random person showing up with a letter from Paul. So Paul's making sure that the church knows, yo, 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 Phoebe is the real deal. Now, what do we learn about Phoebe? And what can we learn uh, from her story? Number one, Paul calls her a sister. We see this. We are a family. Paul views her, and when he uses this language, when I use this language about Jonah as a brother, there is family love that's happening, right? He calls her a sister. He calls her a sister and a servant. And people outside of Redeem are our brothers and sisters too. The body of Christ, we enter into family. It means that we behave differently around each other. It means that there is a love that happens and a love that develops. And we look at people differently than we do just randos that come in, right? We say, no, 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 no. You're a believer. You're a follower of Christ. You are my brother or my sister. It means that we are able to say tough things to each other. It means that we are able to break bread together. It means that we walk through each other through the thick and thin. It doesn't matter. We are there for one another. And he calls her his sister, so she's clearly been through it with him, and we are meant to be family. And when you become a Christian, you become a new creation, and you take on new identities. And one of those ideas is identities is becoming a part of God's family, and you take on that identity. This way of thinking changes everything about the way the church should operate. It is no longer coming in and sitting. It's awkward even that you guys are sitting and facing me right now. Because we should be facing each other, and we should be in community, and we should be building each other up as family does. And that means churches outside of us as well. We're all one body. There's only one body. And so we join together in that. This is how we should operate. It's not easy, but this is how we grow. Point number two, she's called a servant. We're all called servants. This is completely obvious. Paul calls her a servant of the church. She seems to be serving alongside Paul, and, and, is, and she's important to the advancement of the gospel. And when we take this position, the gospel begins to advance. When we don't take this position, the gospel doesn't advance. Being a servant is such an important identity for each one of us. It changes everything about the way we view ourselves, both serving the church and serving those outside the church. Oftentimes, we are in a society that say, what about me, what about me, what about me? Being a servant means laying down your life. And it says this. It's important to note that eight or nine, there's one that we're not sure about, the people that are mentioned in the 26 are women. Even back then, they were, women were important in the advancement of the, of the gospel and the ongoing mission of the church. Now, number three says this. That us with great means are to do something. We are to use our wealth, our influence, our talents, whatever it is, to help people. And we see this about Phoebe. This is one of the things that he shouts out. This means that Phoebe was probably a woman of great means. So she was able to do these kind of things. And, and the term Greek here is used, the helper of many. And it can be translated as the benefactress. So she's a benefactress, meaning she was a woman of means and she chose to use those means to support the church and help as many people as she could. She helped many people. All of us, 
If we live in America, we are people of great means. I love helping the Well Project. I love that we did Compassion Connect. I love some of the stuff that we're planning this fall. We position ourselves as servants, and we position this. How do I, with what God gave me, time, talent, and treasure, help as many people as we can? And Phoebe, this is what he marks her as. He says, look, she is a helper. She is a woman who chooses to live this way. Now let's read Romans 16, 3 through 5. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They have risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets in their house. What do we know about Priscilla and Aquila? We actually know that they were in relationship with Paul a long time ago. These are original friends of Paul. They would go back years before Priscilla and Aquila returned back to Rome. And the first thing that he says about them is Paul says, these are my co-workers. They're not my workers. They're my co-workers. Paul is referencing them as fellow workers. He puts them on par with himself as his peers in ministry. Now, for Paul, this would have been a big deal because Paul comes before his conversion. He, he, would have, he would have been religious, right? He was a Pharisee. He was like the, he was the big dog. There was a hierarchy to things, right? But instead, now that he comes to faith, he's saying, whoa, 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 we're all co-workers in this mission. And the church can do this wrong. He humbles himself and he says, I am going to be an apostle. That's good. But also there's co-workers who are advancing the kingdom that are just outside of me. We're all doing this mission together. And he say this many times at Redeem, but we believe for the church to function like the New Testament church, yes, we need leadership. Yes, we need systems and structures. I am not saying that. Please hear me. But no, it's not that some leaders are more important than others. Literally for the advancement of the kingdom, we are up here to empower you all to walk out those doors and to advance the kingdom of God. Not us do all the work, but it changes everything when we think about church like this. It's all of us, and we say this over and over again, all of us playing our parts in the advancement of the kingdom of God. All of us get to play when it comes to advancing the kingdom. And Paul knows that the advancement of the gospel is not up to him. If it was up to him, if it was up to me, this thing would not be going very well. But instead, it's all of his people being knit together by Jesus Christ, knitting each one of us together in love for this, doing our part in advancing the kingdom of God. And Priscilla and Aquila were part of this advancement. Through this work, and through work with Paul, if you're going to work with Paul, you are going to get some stories of adventure. That's one thing we know about Paul. And we know that this next line for Priscilla and Aquila, that they were part of that uh, adventure. It says, they says that they were risk takers. It says that they risked their lives for Paul and for the gospel. This has to be the highest honor that you can ever give someone. Being part of the church, being part of spreading the gospel, I hate to say it, but it's true. 
Everyone, if you miss any, if you get anything else in this sermon, it's this line. You are a risk taker. You are a risk taker. And one of the challenges is that we as an American church have become a place where we take, we tried to take risk completely out of it. And instead, we have to stand up and stand out, but we have to be ready to share the gospel at any given moment. We have to be looking for ways to share the gospel. Please read the biblical heroes or the lesser known characters of the Bible, and you'll see that it's all about faith and risk-taking. There is no good story without it. So if we want to live this story, you know, it's oftentimes said that you can spell faith R-I-S-K. Spelling faith really is risk. You know, the question is, in the Bible, do you ever read this? Because I've searched high and low for this because I really want to be able to find this. Do you ever read this? It says, and greet this person who has lived a comfortable, easy life and are just waiting until death where they can meet Jesus. It's not in there. It's not in there. I've looked. Brent, if you find it, let me know, brother. It will change the way we operate this church. No, it doesn't say that. And it's the hardest thing. Part of having a story, part of saying I am a person of faith, is this, is being a risk taker. You know, I used to visit churches all the time with my job at World Vision in Alpha. I would go around and speak at churches. And uh, all the time, I would go into these churches, and every time after uh, the service, the pastor would call, like, the elders and usually some lay leaders, and we would do dinner or we would do uh, lunch together. And it was awesome. And whenever I went, I always tried to not sit by the pastor. I'm just going to be completely honest with you. Don't sit by the pastor. They're going to talk your ear off. But also... Go to the lay people, and I always said, share your story. And it was amazing. It's amazing that the, even in this church, if we just walk, went around and said, hey, tell me some." Mark and Patty Anderson, if you just sit and listen to some of their stories early on in their faith when they were working and pastoring churches, it's incredible to hear the amazing stories of God. And when you just spend some time with them, you'll be blown away by people who are risk takers for the gospel. Many of them spent years overseas, or many of them go daily or weekly to the homeless shelter to feed people, or many of them had done this. They said, I saw this need, and I started a nonprofit and a foundation to take care of X, Y, or Z. And it will inspire you, and it will take you back to the New Testament church. You'll be like, whoa, 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 whoa. These are people who said, I believe in Jesus and I'm going to position myself as a risk taker. And it changes everything about the way that we live. Risk taking inspires us. Risk taking advances the kingdom. Risk taking makes you feel alive. And risk taking makes you is, is part of our calling. Now, I'm not telling you all to just go like sell everything and just go wherever. It's Part of it is listening to Jesus and listening to the Spirit and saying, what do you want me to do? But many of us are not doing that, and that's a big thing. Or we're missing opportunities because we chicken out. And I think that the Lord is moving, but living as somebody of faith is being really willing to be risk takers. Each one of us at some point, each one of us at some point will be called on to risk something, to step out. I don't think that everyone every day has like opportunities and they're just missing them. I'm not trying to say that. 
but there's going to be somebody who comes to you who needs something or somebody who has questions or somebody who you know that you're supposed to say something to or you're supposed to share something with. And many of us do this and we'll beat ourselves up about it because the Holy Spirit's moving in those situations. But risking their lives is what Priscilla and Aquila did. Risking reputation is the least we can do. We don't, there may not be times that we have to risk our lives, but risking our reputation is a big deal and something that we are supposed to. It's our job and our responsibility to be ready and able to share when we need to, to be so in line with the Spirit that that is simply our job. Now, what else do we see about Priscilla and Aquila? They were hospitable. Paul writes and tells the Roman church to remember to greet the church that meets in the house. We've talked about this before. When you read Paul, whenever you read Paul and they talk about the church, you have to take off your Western American view of the church. This would have been very confusing to Paul. What's happening right now would have been confusing to Paul. These were families that were, sitting, that were meeting in houses. And so different houses were meeting, and this was the church in Rome. The church in Rome were churches in Rome. And so we see this, that these house churches were few families meeting together, and throughout Scripture, we see that hospitality is a trait that is important to the life of the believer. They were willing to open up their house, even with risk and danger, to open up your house in a place that was not supposed to be doing that, to meet and grow and worship and pray together. And if you want to radically change our area, if you want to do one thing to radically change this place, invite people into your home. Invite neighbors, invite people within the church to dine together, to be together, to share time together. It's crazy to think that in today's world, this is revolutionary. Like the idea of all of us even just being in our own houses, not like all of our family together in one house, but just revolutionary to open up your home to people. Okay, now we'll see this. We'll skip a couple other people, and we're going to get to Andronicus. Not a name. Andronicus and Junia. Let's read on. Romans 16, 7. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before me, uh, before I was. These two did more than just serve with Paul. They went straight to prison with Paul. It's crazy to think. Sharing Paul's imprisonment indicates their extraordinary commitment to proclaiming the gospel. They were willing to do whatever it took to share the gospel. And Paul provides another reason for recognizing the pair. Namely, that they both came to faith before Paul did. So more time walking with God, walking with the Lord and understanding Jesus means that they would have had time to grow and mature. These are elders within the church and saying to greet them and to listen to them. Because Paul communicates his respect to them and encourage others to hold that same regard for these two. And church, two things about these two. One, how far are we willing to go for the gospel? Priscilla and Aquila risked their lives. Andronicus and uh, Junia could, uh, could stand up and they went to jail. So they stood up for the gospel somehow and they went to jail with Paul. And so we see this. We talked about this before. When we watch a movie, we relate to the hero, and we ask this question, do I have what it takes? 
Do I have the courage? Would I have the courage? Would I be willing to lay down my life for this? These are gut check questions for the believer. Gut, when you read Romans 16, gut check time. Do you have what it takes? Are you in it this much? What we are experiencing today, the freedom to worship, how we as a church uh, can be largely built off of, how we can operate as a church is largely built off what these people did, what these people were willing to do, to go to jail, to risk their life, to share the gospel, to live in Rome and let people into their house, even when it was illegal. It's crazy to think. And I think we have to ask ourselves, how would we react? It's clear as Paul shouts out to these people, because this type of life is what we are called to if the time ever arises. And these people are held with honor. And why is this so important? I would love to speak to all 26 of these people. I would speak about all 26 of these people, but we're not going to go through those, so don't worry. But Paul writes about them. And it makes us ask this important question. If I was with these people, I would ask this question. Was this worth it? Was it worth it? Was it worth being a risk taker? Was it worth going to prison? Was it worth opening people to your house to let them come in? Phoebe, was it worth walking to Rome from Corinth? Was it worth it? But you see, I always wondered about this. If you are the hero in the story, I don't think that you really are doing, you know that you're really doing anything of significance when you're doing it. You're just doing the next step. You're just doing the next faith step. And when you're in the middle of it, it doesn't feel significant. But it all adds up to significance. You're just doing the next thing. For most of the stuff we do, it feels insignificant. You know what they are doing, you know what you're doing is right, but you're trying to live out your faith. You're trying to listen to the Holy Spirit and simply do what the Spirit tells you to do, right? We talk about this all the time in the church. That's the life and the position of the believer, listening to the Spirit and simply doing what the Spirit tells you to do. And you do the little things like welcoming people in, sharing an encouraging word, inviting people to church. But you ask yourself, am I really making a difference? Have you ever asked yourself that? I think the same way, in some ways, people on this list would have felt the same way. But I'd love to speak to them. And I'd like to say, do you feel like it was worth it? Do you feel like living this way was worth it? Because it's an important question. It's an interesting thing to study. You have to remember that Christianity in ancient Rome was a dangerous venture. This was dangerous living. Within the Roman Empire, Christianity was banned and Christians were punished for many years. There's evidence of feeding Christians to lions just for entertainment. And at this time, this letter is getting to Rome and Christianity was a small, unorganized sect. So if you come into a church and you're expecting, like we do today, like, man, the, the music better be popping and the fog machine better be right on cue. No, no, no. They're walking into these house churches and they're like, they're feeding people to lions. But this is worth it. 
I'm going to come in here and I'm going to be in fellowship. It was this unorganized sect. I wonder at this time if people getting named or part of the church were questioning, why am I even doing this? Do you ever get tempted with this question? I'm the pastor. I'm going to, say, I'm going to share this very transparently. I ask this question to myself. Is this even worth it? I think if we're honest, we're faced with that question. We're faced with this question. Will we ever see success? Brian, I'm going off script. Brian's been meeting with some, uh, somebody for years, just building friendship. And him and I prayed about this, but like, will it ever succeed, right? Like, it's, so surely like, this should have worked by now. Years. Will this ever succeed? But we see this, that these early believers were simply faithful. Faithful is the word. The letter is believed to be written around mid-50s A.D. And it wasn't until uh, 313 that the emperor Constantine issued a decree that Christianity could even be be legal. So we're looking at this. 270 years later, finally Christianity was allowed these people would have been long dead. They would not have seen this. They would have had no idea what they were doing would have any impact on anyone, let alone finally being legal. They would have not seen on this side of heaven the results of their faithfulness. Unfortunately, that's true of us too. Oftentimes, it's true of us too. The gospel advances despite great odds that it wouldn't. Keep in mind, this is a place where Paul wrote to the church in Rome, but Paul never got there. He's just writing. And so the spread of the gospel in Rome was not built on like eyewitness accounts or Paul's amazing preaching or any of the apostles' amazing preaching. We see this. The ancient church grew in Rome without strong church structure, without an A-plus social media game, without celebrities joining their churches. It didn't grow because it had great building or excellent signage. Don't worry, people. I'm still trying to get a sign out there. It's a lot more work than you think it is. They had no building. They didn't have bags of money. But it grew because they had faith. They seek to understand the scriptures. They live by the Spirit. And then they did this. They had sacrificial love for one another, and they had sacrificial love for those outside of the church and their neighbors. And we have a church, we as a church have to get on with that. We have to have this positioning because the church in Rome spread. Set in a time of conflict, repression, and hostility, it's remarkable for the fact that the Christian movement began this way. It's pulled this But it says, it's widely believed that Christians, having started with just a few dozen believers in 30 AD, so there's a few dozen of these people, right, made up 10% of the empire by 300 AD, so around 6 million people. And by the year 350, that figure was probably around 30 million, with Christians now a clear majority within the empire of Rome. And it's because of Priscilla and Aquila. It's because of Phoebe. Because of Andronicus. People that would have never, ever even thought that that was the case. They were simply being faithful. 
And it happened because of these heroes. People that, like Paul, said, now they're family who serve the church and the kingdom on a daily basis, who use their influences and their resources to advance the kingdom, who are willing to risk their lives, who are willing to go to jail for the sake of the kingdom, who remain faithful and simply follow the Spirit, who understand that faith is all about what we believe and then how we live it out. Two sides of the same coin. What we believe and how we are to live it out. To remain faithful and to follow the Spirit. The gospel advanced, and these heroes would have never seen the result, but their willingness to live out Paul's call in Romans 12, 1 is so clear here. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, family, in view of God's mercy, what God did, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true and proper worship. Believer in 2022, this is our legacy. We live this legacy. These are not just, these are not these biblical characters that we cannot relate to. These are everyday average Joes that lived it out. And in a weird way, when we lay our lives down for the sake of the gospel, when we are willing to view our lives as living sacrifices in light of what God has done and in light of God's mercy, then we understand this, that sacrificing our lives is holy and pleasing to God. It may not feel like there's hope for Lakewood. It may not feel like there's hope for UP. It may not feel like there's hope for DuPont and Silicon or Parkland or Spanaway or Puyallup or anywhere that any of us come from, Tacoma. It may not feel like there's hope. For these people in Rome, think about this, like 30 of them meeting, it would not have felt like hope. But it's just staying faithful to see what God has done before and believing that he will do it again. Do not give up hope, church. If we give up hope, we lose everything. Stay faithful. These heroes in this text weren't anything special. They were simply people that said yes to the gospel. Not just to the forgiveness of our sins. Yes, they did that. But yes to the gospel on a daily basis. Laying down their lives for the sake of the gospel, this has to be the heart of the church as well. Eugene Peterson wrote this book. I don't know if you ever read Eugene Peterson. has this book called A Long this a long obedience in the same direction, discipleship in an instant society. This is sweet. I got some background music. Sorry. Sorry, bro. It's all about how we find results of true discipleship or true evangelism, not by jumping around from thing to thing or chasing feelings or emotions or really good worship services. It's long obedience in the same direction. And it's all about resulting in our community being changed. In this book, he has this great quote that sums up this message and relates to the world that we are living on, living in. There is a great market for religious experiences in our world. There is little enthusiasm for the patient acquisition of virtue, little inclination to sign up for a long apprenticeship in what earlier generations of Christians simply called this, holiness. The church in Rome, everyone that's, that's written about in here, 
they were like, you know what? Yeah, there's 10 people coming to my little house church. Totally good with it. I'm going to stay faithful, and I'm going to share Jesus' name whenever I can. And that is part of my holiness. That is part of my journey to the long obedience in the same direction. If you want impact in your life, unless you are like a crazy celebrity that can get like 50,000 people following you real quick, it's long obedience in the same direction. And that's how humans develop in general. Think about it. There's a reason that we, our kids stay with us for this long. And we have to tell them the same thing over and over again. But long obedience in the same direction changes the world. In church in 2022, we have to fight this urge for quick results, but rather be a church that is willing to serve in obedience for the long haul. We will not see the full results this side of heaven. I hate to tell you this. Sometimes we're just part of someone's story. Sometimes they come in and we don't ever see them again for years. But long obedience in the same direction. They always know that we're here. And when they come back after a few years, we welcome them straight back in. We say, let's get back on with it. Let me end here. He's, Paul ends with this letter for a final greeting. And I'll read over this as we remember our calling and the call of the gospel. Romans 16, 25. Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with the gospel, the message I proclaimed about Jesus Christ in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ago past, long, long ages past. Remember, church, the gospel is all about Jesus Christ. Sums it all up. Jesus Christ. The power, the gospel is God's power to save us and keep his people. But as we unpack this statement, there's even a deeper depth to what Paul was saying to the church in Rome. The term here, able to establish, can be translated, is the power to. We talked about this from the first sermon, Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. The gospel is power. It's how God changes people. It's how God changes futures. It's how God changes communities. The gospel of Jesus Christ is power. It's how he changes whole societies. We saw it in Rome. This message of, yo, 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 Roman church, you have to understand this about faith. And once you understand about that faith, it's going to spread like wildfire. And that's what it's saying. Paul has been saying throughout his letter to, Paul, to Rome that it's not only the gospel that saves us, but it changes us. Verse 26, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the internal God so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith. Believers in 2022, we must remember the depth of tra tradition of our faith. What we are experiencing today was because of what people did in Rome in 50 AD. There's depth. And Jesus being revealed is from years past. Through the prophetic writing of the Old Testament, Jesus was always there. And Paul's saying that Jesus was predicted, that now he has been revealed, and now it's our time to proclaim Jesus as Lord to our friends, family, co-workers, and neighbors. That it's our call in 2022. Unfortunately, we've advanced as a society 
but it hasn't advanced past 50 AD. It's to proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord. And Paul ends it here. One of the great themes of Romans. We as a church have to believe anyone, anywhere, can now believe the gospel and obey God. Your brother or sister who's far from Christ. Your co-worker who always bugs you. For my kids, the bully in the school. The heroin users that are in our parking lots. The homeless guy who seems so far away from what God intended him to be. Our family members that are so anti-Jesus. Paul saying that Christ was predicted, that he's been revealed, that everyone knows it, we just have to proclaim it. And some people will say yes, and some people will say no. It's true of Rome, the church in Rome. But it's us being risk takers and being willing to share the gospel with people. No one is too far gone. No one's too lost. No one's too out there to experience the life that transformed by Jesus. The church was, bound, was built on this foundational belief, and we have to continue it today. Church, we have to continue it today. So we carried that on, and now we end the Roman series with this, verse 27. The only wise, and to the only wise God, to be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. I don't know where you're at. I was kind of putting a meter on myself as I was writing this. Maybe some of you are like, man, I need a little adventure in my life. You are in the right place. No one will tell you this. Faith is not a simply a number of things to believe. It's changing from the inside, and you will be on a crazy adventure if you fully live it out. Church, we are in a crazy adventure right now. You guys don't see it. I see it a lot. The elder team, we see it a lot. The advisory council, you know what's going on. This building, we're like, Lord, you're, we're on a venture. Talk about this building. This is long obedience in the same direction. Some of you need adventure in your life. Let's get up and do it. Some of you need risk-taking in your life. Get up and do it. Some of you need faith in your life. Get up and do it. I'm going to invite the worship team up. I'm going to pray over us. Can we, I don't know if there's anybody. This is one of those like God stirring on you inside and hey, I'm taking the risk. Maybe you're, if you guys don't come up, it's your problem, not my problem. Uh, Dana, uh, Mark's not here. I don't know, a couple other prayer people. If we can go over, <laughs> this is so ridiculous. In this little corner over here by the Keurig machine. Or stand up right over here, right, right in front of there. I'll be here too. I don't want to miss moments. If you need an increase in faith, I want to pray over you. If you need an increase in risk-taking, I want to pray over you. If you need an increase of you don't even know what, or you need healing, or you need something, we are supposed to be together as a family. And I don't want people to leave here and feel like, man, I love this sermon, but I don't know what to do with it. So I'm going to ask a prayer team, a couple of us up here. Brian, I don't know if you can get up as well. I want to pray for people. So let me pray for you. Everyone stand up. And during this worship song, if you feel led, let us come pray for you. Diego's up here as well. Liz.
Don't miss this opportunity because it's too important. Jesus has one plan, and it's the church. There's no backup plan. It's us. It's kind of scary, right? It's us doing the work of the gospel, advancing his kingdom. So Heavenly Father, stir up in your people right now. Lord, if there's anything that you want to speak to these people right now, stir it up, Lord Jesus. Do not let people leave complacent any longer. Don't let people leave confused any longer. Lord, if there's healings that need to happen, Lord, let them come up for prayer. If there's people that need to figure out what's next for them, let them come out for prayer. If there's people who don't even yet believe, but they just want to say, God, do you even care about me? Let them come up for prayer. Heavenly Father, set a fire in our church. Heavenly Father, set a fire in your church. Not our church, your church. Lord, let us step out in faith. Lord, let us always be seeking. Let us always be hearing. Lord, let your voice be so clear to us. Lord, if we're in a time of rest, let it be rest. If we're in a time of silence, it's okay. But Lord, if you want to stir something up, stir it up right now, Jesus. We're tired. We're tired. We need you. So come, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.